Is it really perceived as different? Is it really competitive advantage? They're the really tough questions that continuously asking and answering is, is all about keeping you on that true north towards closing that gap between who we are today, who we need to be tomorrow. Welcome to the Brand Transformation Show by Blurt, where we unpack what it takes to transform organisations through technology, leadership and creativity. Welcome to the Brand Transformation Show by Blurt. This is your host, Craig, and as usual, we are here with... Did you hear the, the pop on my voice again? <laughs> I, I it love- happens from time to time. <laughs> I apologize for that. Have, we- you, have you gone through puberty yet? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a process. <laughs> I'm here with brand. Should we start this expert? Again? No, this is great. Brand expert uh, and founder of Blur, Stuart Leo. How are you? I'm great, thank you, young Craig. Having gone through puberty yourself, <laughs> welcome to Blur. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I wish I'd go. I'd like to go through puberty. No, I don't <laughs> we are so close to starting this again, but no, let's go. So, Stu, right. we're actually in a we're actually in a series of episodes at the moment where we talk about the seven. Um, questions for closing the brand gap. And yes. last week, last episode, we talked about vision. This mm. week, we're going to talk about market. Now, I may have written, don't you mean marketing? No. No? No. So we're talking about market, yeah. i.e. Um, what is our market? In fact, the question is, what is our market? Who is our ideal customer? Are we perceived as different? And is this competitive advantage? So... Um, yes, that is what marketing as a discipline and a department um, should be asking and answering many, many times. Mm-hmm. But as a business, it's the fundamental question to ask, to understand and to know, doesn't matter what you're doing, if you don't have clarity on market, who the ideal customer is, um, if that's uh, if that's competitive advantage um, and if, sorry, if we're perceived as different and if that's competitive advantage, then you, you, what are you doing? Mm. Um you're not adding any value. So every person in that organisation should have great clarity around how they reinforce that competitive advantage and create that value. So this is a fundamental business question that too often gets thrown to marketing departments mm. to go, oh, go and tell us who our market is. No, we're a business. Um, we're here to solve a problem. Who is the ideal recipient of that solution? Cool. That's our market. That's our customer. So what's the difference between our market and our ideal customer? Yeah, okay. So good question. Um, So really simply, our market is Asia Pacific, Australia, Queensland, Brisbane. So you're talking about region? Are you talking about demographic? Could be demographic, could be psychographic, um, could be a mix of... The difference between the market we're operating in, yeah. um, some some people might call that domain or category or um, it just simply defines the sector of the marketplace we're going to operate in. The ideal customer personifies the individual that we're talking to. So who is our ideal customer in that marketplace that we are the ideal choice for? Okay. So the market is like our, our catchment. Basically, the, 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 the broad spectrum of people that are going to hear our message. Correct. And make a decision on whether or not they want to engage with our brand. Yeah. That would be our market. Correct. And you can start to define your market and whatever makes sense for your business. Mm. Combination of demographics, age, location, um, psychographics, preferences, values, desires, aspirations. Um, and, and the combination of those um, will we'll, we'll start to frame up 
the difference between market and ideal customer. So a market could be um, car purchases. Drill that down to car purchases in North America, in the Northeast. With um, an income over X amount of dollars, whatever, or disposable income or... Correct. Whatever, and yeah, season of life. That's that it. type of thing. And then you start to break that down and, and you, you take away all the sort of um, divisions of the market mm. um, and then go, well, now we understand what, you know, what, what size is it, how big is it, what are the attributes of that. Let's translate that into who, which is ideal customer. And our ideal customer um, is a he or a she and they might be aged this and experiencing this and desiring that and typically have this lifestyle and we're starting to personify the individual of which there might be many of that lives within that marketplace. Is it in my best interest to get to a point where I'm purely only communicating with my ideal customer? Um, or do I, do I want to make sure that I'm communicating more broadly than that? The evidence says that over time, the more broadly you communicate, the more different types of customers you start to attract to the same type of problem. So, um, and that's really interesting. However, the science also says that in order to break into a marketplace, you need to niche. So you need to go small mm. and tight and break open and then from that start to go up. So um, the, the art of that is to get really clear on ideal customer know them, satisfy them, help them. But then from that base, um, expand up and communicate more broadly so that more people like them come to experience the same solution you're solving. So there'd be two different types of approaches here because one would be I'm determining my niche before I even start communicating my brand or product to to the market. And the other one is that I just megaphone – to everybody and hope that the market defines. Well, that's not a very cost-effective way. It's not, is it? (laughs) No. Like the the two different approaches, people go, I actually don't know. Like I've got an idea in my head about who, who my ideal customer might be, but I'm going to, I'm going to put it out more broadly. And well, well, every business goes through um, a set of phases. And in fact, it was a a project or a group called the startup genome project that tracked, um, I think um, tens of thousands of business startups across 10 or 20 city locations around the world and they stepped back and they said, okay, every organisation goes through six phases and then we'll probably rinse and repeat through those phases over time. So imagine, and we call these experience curves and we drop these columns onto, onto our experience curves. Um, and so this is, this is answering your question. The, the six phases that you go through, the first phase being discovery, I have an idea. So um, I have an idea for a new way of delivering coffee. It's going to be a patch. <laughs> we use this example often because we we always have coffee sitting, sitting in front of us. Right. Yeah, okay, so um, maybe we should talk about something, something else, something but who else, cares? Yeah. We're on coffee. Um, so I've got, I've got an idea. I can, I can get my coffee hit by just putting a patch on my arm. Um, and, uh, so, um, I've ideated that idea. And so I've discovered something I need to move to the next phase. The next phase is validation. Will somebody buy my idea? So 
Craig, here's my patch. Will you buy that? And you're like, yeah, I'll buy that. That's great. I can drink coffee and have a patch and get a double hit. Fantastic. Mm. Um, oh, that's an interesting idea. So we're starting to validate, will somebody buy the idea? And throughout validation, um, we want to move towards efficiency. So validation, sorry, just to um, clarify, is that like focus groups, that type of thing? Like, is it could be focus groups. It could be um, uh, before we like a research, whatever. Or? Yeah, before we go and lease a shop on the high street, let's actually go to a market with a pop top and um, sell the patches. Sure. So, what's our lowest cost to test the idea? Yep. Um, okay. And so you validate. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, yes. There's a, there's a customer. There is a, there is a market here. There is a market. And we, we had an idea that it was this market, but mm-hmm. now we're learning and we're validating and we're refining. And and once you're validating, you go, yes, somebody will buy my idea. The, the next question you need to ask, which takes you into the next phase, is efficiency, which the question to ask is, will somebody buy my idea at profit? Mm-hmm. So... We've moved from I have an idea to will somebody buy my idea through to will somebody buy my idea at profit margin. So now we're saying, well, actually, Craig, that that patch to get caffeine into my system, that cost me a million bucks in R&D um, over two years to kind of get here. So, well, I need to sell these at... Forty nine ninety five. That's that's right. <laughs> so you're like, well, hang on a minute. I'm I'm not sure I want to pay forty nine ninety five. When when they were two ninety five, I was quite happy. Um, so so now we're in efficiency. How how can we build an efficient mm. price product business model? So at this point now, we're trying to satisfy you, the customer, and refine our model through that efficiency phase. So that's about consolidation. It's about integration. It's about systems. It, it, it's about working out how do we really take this. And so to finish out the curve, the next phase is scale and that's about saying, well, if somebody's going to buy my idea at profit, can I find lots of people now that will buy my idea at profit? Now we can scale. The phase after scale is to sustain. So if I've got lots of people buying my idea at profit margin, can I now keep my competitors away? So I'm sustaining myself in the marketplace. And the final phase is renewal, which says, can I sell my idea at profit margin to lots of people whilst keeping my competitors away and think about the new layers of competitive advantage and activities or business model that I'm going to put in next to renew into the next phase? Does that make sense? Yeah. So just quickly, for those who are taking notes on an international flight, can you just run over those... Mm. Seven. Discovery, I have an idea. Validation, will somebody buy my idea? Efficiency, will somebody buy my idea at profit margin? Scale, will lots of people buy my idea at margin? Sustain, will lots of people buy my idea at margin whilst my competitors are being kept away? Uh And renewal, can lots of people buy my idea at profit margin whilst keeping my competitors away and... I can put down new ideas and new insights into this product or the next product that takes me into the next phase. Great. So to answer your question, depending on where we are on that journey might depend on how we, how we act. So if we're right at the start in validation, trying to move towards efficiency, 
we, we don't have the money to go out and chuck a million bucks at a, at a national campaign. We might have to go to the corner store. We might have to hustle on the street corner. We might have to, as Seth Godin would say, write the PowerPoint deck and go sell the product before you've even built it mm. and validate it. And so at that point, we're trying to do low-cost, high-impact activities. However, once we've done that, the science of advertising and communications does tell us that if we can move from that successful base up into a scale environment, then if we can communicate more broadly, and this is actually an argument for mass marketing, that more people who actually have that problem who are from slightly different market segments Mm. will actually come out of the woodwork and our ideal customer will broaden and it will go from just one really, really thin layer of the market and it will start to get bigger. And so what happens then is more people that have that same problem will start buying. Our ideal customer starts to get a greater foundation to it and therefore we have a stronger base. Makes sense? Yeah. So how do I identify my ideal customer or do they identify me? No, um, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of give and receive. Um, you go and do your market research and you figure out who's got the greatest problem that, that you can solve and then they're your ideal customer. You go and solve it for that ideal customer and you listen. Mm. And, and there's an element of you listening to them, them listening to you, you working out that yes, they're, they're what I thought was an ideal customer but I've just actually had this other customer buy this from me and actually we seem to do a better job for that type of customer Therefore, my customer now is starting to define. It's a give and take relationship. And I think that's often forgotten um, in organisations because somebody writes a PowerPoint deck that says this is our customer. Mm. Um, and you go to market and there's actually better customers there. Um, and, and if you just put your spotlight across to the better customer, then they become your ideal. So does an ideal customer become always become an advocate? Or is advocacy an identifier of... Well, hopefully your ideal customers have a great experience because you've followed our seven questions. Yes. And you're doing a great job. Um, And now they become advocates. And um, those advocates talk to other people like them because people tend to hang out with people like them, Mm. uh, which is really good. So some of those people start to talk about your great product or service. And before you know it, more people like them start going, oh, yeah, I'll have that. That's awesome. So let's talk about market differentiation. Yeah, because that's the second part of this Mm. question, isn't it? So the the question is, um, what is our market? Who is our ideal customer? Are we perceived as different and is this competitive advantage? And that's where the kicker in this like really comes in in the question. What is our market? Um, our market are young mums buying groceries. Um, who is the ideal customer? Well, she has kids at school and she does the groceries between three and five. Um, you get my drift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, are we perceived as different? Oh, no, we're not. We're just, the, we're just, we're just like a, a, a typical supermarket. Mm. Is that difference competitive advantage? No. Okay, will she keep coming back? No. Okay, we go out of business. So the, the real challenge to this question 
is to say, well, okay, we're, we're playing in this market. We've identified an ideal customer. Are we now perceived as different? And this, this is where most organisations have their first stumble because there's a whole load of Me Too brands that turn around and go, well, mm, maybe we're not that different. Maybe we're a home builder and we just build homes. And you know what? We just build them like the next builder. Well, there's no difference here. So there's no difference. There's no competitive advantage. Why would they keep coming back to you? Why, why, would, why would you stand out in the marketplace? So this is when we're looking for insights to go, well, how do we, how do we deliver in that, that marketplace to that customer mm. with a sense of difference? And how do, we, how do we make sure that our goal isn't not just different but better? And what, what determines... Because that's in the last bit of the question. Oh, great. I jumped ahead, didn't I? <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay, right. It's good, good segue <laughs> because you, you can go, well, great. Well, we'll let, let's use the building houses a bit. Yeah, we, we build houses and we, we build them differently because um, we wear guerrilla uniforms and we do it and we have a lot of fun. <laughs> well, that's different. Yeah, but it's, up, it's not better. It's <laughs> definitely not better. <laughs> it's definitely not better. So, I mean, I use that example to, to really exacerbate the situation. Mm. Just because you're different doesn't make it better. Mm. So it, it's um, – oh, gosh, it could be dangerous, couldn't it? It's like um, I, have, I have a pair of pants that I love to wear because it annoys my children because they're red pants <laughs> <laughs> and they're golfing pants and um, I hardly ever wear them. Yeah. When I wear them, I look very different. Um, uh, what, what I've come to learn is that I, I'm not any better. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so there was that book written by, I think it was Seth Godin, The Purple Cow, was it? Yes. Yeah. Like, whereas, you know, you just look out in a field and black and white cows or whatever and you see purple cow catches your attention. Right. So, like, that's one of the goals of being in a saturated marketplace is to, yeah. to stand out. Yeah. But a purple cow doesn't necessarily mean that you're a better cow. No, it doesn't, does it? Purple cows only have a competitive advantage if you like to eat purple meat. <laughs> Yeah. So, or like to drink purple milk. So that's our ideal customer. That's right. Right. So it has to be competitive advantage. Yeah. Does our difference equate to competitive advantage? Um, we're listening on amazing headphones. Wow, they're really different. That difference is in the audio quality. Is that competitive advantage? Actually, yeah, it is. Mm. So suddenly quality now has a competitive advantage related to the difference appeals to our market. And so this is the three. Shout out to AKG there. <laughs> Shout out to AKG. <laughs> Are they AKG? Yeah, 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 yeah good, good. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, uh, hey, come talk to us. Yeah, AKG. that's right, yeah. <laughs> so the, 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 the tie that's binding here is marketplace. Within that marketplace, the ideal customer, that ideal customer looks at this proposition and says, yeah, that's different. In that difference, there's a benefit. So competitive advantage, therefore, keep purchasing, keep engaging. So if any one of those break or falter, then you kind of fall over at the market bit and, and so you'll struggle within the marketplace. So I've got a business. Um, I, do a bit of, uh, I do a bit of self-evaluation and I realise that I'm just the same as 15 other customers, that uh, 15 other companies that offer the same yep. or very similar yep. or whatever. What's the process of creating a point of – first creating a point of differentiation and then identifying um, competitive how, advantage in the market. Like how do, I, how do I take my product from being a me too product to uh, one that has competitive advantage in the marketplace? Yeah, yeah. So 
Um, gee, that's a big question. There's, there's loads of good examples. So, and I think um, I'm going to try and use examples that um, I'm going to use IKEA and I'm going to use Apple just okay. to kind of bring this to life. Um, Apple has a lot of Me Too products. That's quite confronting to say. Um, Apple wasn't the first company to make a portable MP3 player. Mm. They were a Me Too product. But they were the first company to make a portable MP3 player that had a great connection to your desktop which had software on it that would get a 1,000 songs in your pocket mm. that created a unified ecosystem. They were the first to do that. So suddenly their Me Too product had competitive advantage because it was within an ecosystem. And so the ecosystem was the competitive advantage, which meant they could increase the value of their Me Too product, make it look good and and create a great business. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the 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 the, the answer there is what is our market? It's it's travelers who want music with them. Um, who's our ideal customer? Well, their ideal customer is probably the young person um, because they'll be the early adopter. Are we perceived as different? Well, actually, yeah, we are because we've got this store that connects to the thing and it's a lot easier to get our songs on. Is that competitive advantage? Well, yeah, because it's easier. Mm. See, see the tie that's sort of binding there? And that's a really simplistic way of, of looking at it. But when you looked at their competitors, they couldn't solve that broader problem. Yep. And, and so, um, you know, when Apple is doing that research and d- doing that insight, you know, I don't know what they were doing because I wasn't, mm. wasn't, wasn't with them. Um, but we can make a very educated assumption here to say, well, they would have been designing the ecosystem to support the product and the product to support the ecosystem so that their product didn't come out as a Me Too product. Yeah. Even though the the vast majority of reviews when the iPod, when the iPod came out were that this is a Me Too product and Apple hasn't done anything new Correct. and forever, yeah. um, clearly their thinking was far broader than… Yeah. You know, l- let's, use, um, let, let's use IKEA as an example. Um, so who's our market? We're IKEA. Um, we… Uh, we want to talk to furniture buyers. Who's our ideal customer? Young families, couples, university students that want um, affordable, cheap but good-looking furniture that doesn't need to last forever. Um, Are we perceived as different? Well, yeah, because we've got this Scandinavian style and design to it. Is that competitive advantage? Yeah, because I'm young and I don't have a lot of money and I can get a nice-looking piece of furniture an affordable price and in fact when I put multiple pieces of things together from their store it actually creates something greater there's synergy by buying more products so that's competitive advantage um does that make sense yeah and they would they would have asked the question are people willing to pay less to assemble the furniture themselves yep and they would have done their market research and identified the fact that yes young families or you know whatever are willing to do a little bit of extra work yes. to save money. So sometimes answering that question you asked, I've, I've got a Me Too product, how, how can I bring competitive advantage to it? It isn't always in the product. Some, sometimes it's the things around the product mm. that actually create the value around it. So the other it might be to look at that product and go, all right, 
it's not going to be a Me Too product anymore. It's going to be vastly different. Mm. So, um, and and off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of an example um, around that. But we could probably look at, um, okay, let's look at cars. Um, cars are pretty generic. Um, there's an engine that you stick petrol or diesel into and it takes you somewhere. And really, um, I shouldn't, I mean, aside from getting faster, cleaner, more buttons and electronics, not a whole lot has changed um, in, in the last 50 years. It's just got faster and better. And, and along comes a way of doing a whole new car, you know, the electric car. And so and I think Tesla is a good example of this where they went, well, there's been hybrids before, but let's actually completely change it. Let's, let's do product innovation. Mm. So it's a me too product with a whole new engine and approach, which now it's no longer a me too product. So does that make sense? Yeah. So you could turn around and make an argument to go, you can break open Me Too markets by, by completely re-engineering that Me Too solution. So you, you, I've heard you talk before about this idea of, you know, brand positioning or whatever. And so some people are going to differentiate on price. Some people are going to differentiate on customer service. Some people are going to um, differentiate on customer experience, et cetera, et cetera. Am I jumping ahead here? Or? You certainly are. Oh, Hold sorry that about thought. that. Hold okay, that right. thought till next episode. Okay. Question, question three. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we can briefly touch on it yeah. because um, whilst you're not, we're not yet drawing right down into the arrowhead of positioning, we're starting to narrow down. Yeah. We're starting to say, well, where do the competitive advantages live? Mm. And and so you know, if you're Walmart or Kmart or one of the big department stores part of your competitive advantage is I, I can walk into one place, get loads of everyday things at affordable prices. Mm. That's a competitive advantage because um, I, I can't get that elsewhere. Um, and it's of value to me because I can run around that store and get clothes for the kids and stuff for the barbecue and a kid's bike and there's, it's, you know, it's that, everything in one spot. If I'm Amazon, the same proposition applies. So the competitive advantages are reinforcing the differentiation, which is supporting the ideal customer, which is satisfying and breaking open the marketplace. The, the strategic positioning we're going to talk about next episode, which is all about saying, how do we position this idea in the mind of the customer? Not going to go any further than that. Okay, great. So just to recap this, this episode then, we've talked about market and identified that, uh, well, first of all, we have to identify what our market, market is, yep. um, who's our ideal customer within that market, are we perceived as different uh, in that marketplace and um, do we have com competitive advantage? Yeah, and, and this is – when you ask and answer this question consistently and regularly, what you're doing is you're constantly saying, okay, we're in this marketplace, we're selling to this customer, are they still perceiving us as different? Because there could be new entrants. Other people – could be improving their products and services. Are we still perceived as different? And is that still competitive advantage? So you're, you're closing the gap by continuously asking this question and, and making sure that you, you don't rest on your laurels. Yeah. And, and, and if you're bringing a new product to market, is it really perceived as different? Is it really competitive advantage? And, and so they're the, they're the really tough questions that – continuously asking and answering is, is all about keeping you on that true north towards closing that gap between who we are today 
who we need to be tomorrow. Awesome, Stu. As always, it's a pleasure to chat to you about all things brand. And um, if you want to join in on the conversation, you can. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at blurt underscore loud. And if you want to find out more about the products and services that we offer, you can visit blurt.co.